Welcome to another episode of Chic Compass Connection. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the window of the popular Chic Compass magazine, where we feature art, music, design, fashion, travel, dining, and all things chic for the culture-starved audiences of the world. To view our magazine online, visit www.chiccompass.com. We would like to thank The Vegas Room in the Historic Commercial Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, for inviting us to their supper club to broadcast our show. To learn more about The Vegas Room, visit www.thevegasroom.com. And I'm your host, Amy Crosley. Welcome back to another episode of Chic Compass Connection. Today we have the very talented Mundo Gillaret. He is a guitarist based out of here in Las Vegas. He is known for leading the Gypsy Jazz Group, the Hot Club of Las Vegas. He was the guitarist of La Rev at the Wynn Hotel, and he is the owner of Flyin' Hawaiian Music. So let's start off with the Hot Club of Las Vegas. Could you explain all the moving parts of Gypsy Jazz? The neat thing about Gypsy Jazz is it sounds exotic right off the bat and then familiar at the same time. Yeah. So in the 30s, Django Reinhardt, he was a gypsy um, in Paris. And uh, the, the gypsies and, and the musicians, they were in love with American swing. So we're talking they would emulate him. Now, they were all working in these orchestras that worked in, um, like, dinner theaters or um, dance halls. So they were playing a certain kind of um, music. But on their breaks, they would jam these American uh, swing songs mm-hmm. and the, the thing that makes it sound familiar is it's American it's from the American songbook like American standards so yes. songs you know all of me and stuff that we've yeah. grown up with all the jazz standards but, but what they would do it was their take on um, on the American swing they didn't have drums in their group or mm-hmm. when they were doing this so they would have the rhythm guitar emulate a drum mm. and that style of rhythm uh, was called La Pomp okay like a boom chuck from a drum set yeah and then so and then the guitar it was predominantly guitars and uh, I'll talk about that in a second but if you just talk about the guitar and the technique they were using they were using their gypsy jazz picking technique Mm -hmm. that was heavily influenced by uh, flamenco music and then they had their you know Hungarian gypsy harmonic you know harmony music music harmony behind that they would blend that into the american swing songs so that's why it was a bit exotic mm-hmm. they would use these guitars uh selmer mcaferry made these guitars and they were they're beautiful you get to really love them but they're super loud super brusque so they were made to cut through an orchestra okay. so that also gave gypsy jazz a sound so to really get that kind of sound you need to use these guitars and um Johnny Miles, the rhythm guitar player, and I, we use those type of guitars. Mm-hmm. A Selmer McAfee, a beat up one, this day would cost thirty thousand dollars. A nice one would go up to a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! So ours are, ours are uh, replicas, mm-hmm. and they sound like that, and with uh, modern appointments to, to help us stay in tune and and <laughs> such, such. But um, so that gave it a sound. You had a violin, and uh, so it was usually. Three guitars, a violinist, upright, and an upright bass player. That was a gypsy jazz group. Hmm. So we springboard from that where we add uh, what we call our gypsy jazz Vegas style. 
mm -hmm. element. So we add drums to the mix, whether it's a box drum, a cajon, or a drum set. Mm -hmm. And we have a we have a violinist, but we also have a singer in the group, which is a normal gypsy jazz group didn't have singers back then. They would work with singers, but it was predominantly instrumental. So we have a singer in Noibel, Goy Goy. And then even to modernize things a little more, I sometimes play electric guitar and the bass player sometimes plays an electric bass. Mm -hmm. So we're just using that as an inspiration to spring, springboard off of and create our own gypsy jazz kind of music. Beautiful. And then, and I'm sorry, to break away from the American swing, which we do a lot of the American songbook, we do a lot of that stuff. We also write our own originals and we have three CDs out. So so that's another difference with us, the Hot Club of Las Vegas. You have some originals. Yeah. Awesome, where can we find your music? All the digital media outlets, you know, mm -hmm. iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby is our distributor, like awesome. most, you know. Yeah, Spotify. There you go. So tell me how you guys got started. Okay, I'm gonna tell you the real truth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my my favorite guitar player is Jeff Beck. Okay. Mm -hmm. My teacher, when I was uh, in Hollywood and I went to a school called the Musicians Institute, was Jennifer Batten. You may know her as the lady who played the beat it solo with the big hair for Michael Jackson. Oh. She's a phenomenal guitarist and uh, just just a, to this day she's kept in touch with me because she's better at, at it than I and we, we're great friends it's it's awesome she mm -hmm. comes and stays at my house she after Michael Jackson and she's a great solo artist in her own right after Michael Jackson she actually um, got in the group with Jeff Beck oh wow okay yeah. so Jeff Beck was her favorite guitar player back in her Hollywood days mm -hmm. and I liked him too you know and and he is just a phenomenal guitarist because of her when he came to Vegas, I got to go and hang out with him, see the concert and hang out with him. Oh my God. Two times. And the first time, just a, a rock and roll dream of a night after the concert, after the backstage hang, we all went up to his room to watch a movie with uh, his band, a few of his band members and I. Mm -hmm. And um, his, his wife, a girlfriend went into another room, Jennifer, all the band met, Members went back to their room mm -hmm. to change or get rid of uh, their instruments they had. Mm -hmm. So I was in the room with just Jeff and I. It was, it was oh. phenomenal. And he was picking things up like, oh, sorry, it's a mess. And, and it wasn't. His, <laughs> his guitar was right out there. I was like, oh, I just want to play it. But <laughs> I didn't. I noticed, um, I think it was Tower Records, which isn't here in Vegas anymore. He had a one or two bags of CDs that were so filled up that they were spilling out. Mm -hmm. And as they spilled out, uh, I'd say about 75% of them were Django Reinhardt CDs. And the rest were old Robert Johnson blues and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I asked him if he liked Django Reinhardt and he said, with his accent, he was like, oh, he's my fave. And so, and he said it very wistfully. So I was like, note to self, mm -hmm. um, check out Django Reinhardt. So, a few years later, I got the gig with Mamma Mia, and I came from working in groups and shows where it was, there was a lot of music. It, it was, it, excuse me, a lot of playing. Mamma Mia was a, a very hard job to do. I remember Mamma Mia. Yeah, it was, it was a, one of the hardest guitar jobs I've ever did, but we, did, we only did one show a night, mm. and it was very intense uh, 
two and a half hours, but I had a lot of time on my hands. One show a night afterwards, I'd get yeah. home at nine, 9.30. So the show ended at nine, I'd get home at 9.30. I'd often play guitar and I practice every day anyway. So I started checking out Django Reinhardt because of Jeff Beck. Yeah. I started, um, how do you say, we call it transcribing. Yes. And as a musician, you know what that I is. I understand that word. So, <laughs> so yeah, there wasn't much resource uh, as far as getting transcriptions of Django Reinhardt. Mm. And, um, and I didn't go looking. I just, I'm very good at transcribing. I listen to the record and can play it like the record. Right. And it's not that unusual for a Vegas musician to do that. So Exactly. I started <laughs> transcribing Django Reinhardt solos and songs, and one was Limehouse Blues, and it kicked my butt. I, I kicked my butt. I <laughs> when, I all, when I finished it, I could barely play it, and when I did, it was sloppy. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, well, I must be doing something wrong. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I will hunt down some transcriptions and read about mm -hmm. it. When do I read some research on yeah, it. Yeah. So what kind of technique does he do? You know, mm -hmm. you know, does he, as a guitar player, does he begin with a, a line with a hammer on before he even picks? You right. know, or stuff like that. So. The research threw me for a loop because you find out that I think he was 18. He was a professional musician. He came home. Mm -hmm. uh, gypsies were prejudiced against, uh, and they still are to this day, but they actually had a gypsy camp outside of Paris. Oh, okay. So he got back, went to his gypsy. They were in covered wagons, <laughs> caravans, <laughs> and uh, his wife would sell these cell cellulane fire, cell you Cellophane. Cellophane. Cellophane flowers. Mm -hmm. And um, he came home and she was sleeping after a gig and I don't know how it ignited a candlelight or whatever. It ignited those flowers which burned the whole, uh, at least the, the caravan he was in. Mm -hmm. He was able to get his wife and I think his son out. Wow. Uh, he got burned on his whole left side. Wow. So, um, so I'm going to come back to this whole gypsy dressing but we'll let you know that he um he went to the hospital and with their superstitions and stuff the doctor his left side was so badly burned the doctor wanted to cut off his leg oh. and they said no 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 and after fighting with that hospital and doctor they took him to another hospital yeah and once again they wanted to cut off the leg they said no so they were able to convince him so to keep the leg so they attended to his burns on his whole left side especially the leg 100 percent when he started healing uh they realized they didn't really attend to the hand so his left hand was burnt into a claw oh uh, he was playing banjo professionally before that as well and when about a year later when uh, a doctor said for his uh therapy why don't you learn how to play guitar to move your hand so he started playing guitar I want to say at 19. Mind you, he was a professional musician before before that. So so he he as I'm reading this and I get the transcription, I'm realizing he played these solos that I can barely play with four fingers with two fingers. Wow. And it's incredible. There's only one um there's only one video out there where they show him playing with sound. There's other videos where the sound doesn't match him playing. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. You should you should look it up. I will look it up. <laughs> how fast he plays and and so some of the stuff he does play if you do it with the two fingers, it makes sense. All of a sudden, oh, well, that's how you do it. So it opened up the 
the door to to that style more. Mm-hmm. The other thing was learning about gypsy jazz picking, which is basically all downstrokes. And when you change a string, whenever you change to another string, you're going to begin that with a downstroke, which is a little counterintuitive. Right. But when you start doing it and maybe trust in that process, it, it does help. Mm. And, uh, so you had to change your whole technique. I changed my whole technique. Ooh. I got books work on, on that coordination. Picking. Yeah, I got I got books on his uh, transcriptions. Most of them, it, the notes may have been right, right, but they were still wrong. Mm. They weren't understanding the two fingered method. So I actually mm. use that as something to help break the code, <laughs> and uh, and it all worked together. And I was able to finally play up to speed. I was so enamored with that it was like a challenge mm-hmm. you know so i'd come into mama mia every night see i'm coming back here there you go here we go back to mama mia i'd come in b- into mama mia every night and um most of us would get there early especially the string players and we had we had to set up our our gear and make sure mm-hmm. we're in tune and mama mia was three guitars i think and uh, and i would warm up because when you downbeat hits you're ready to go Mm-hmm. So I would warm up with gypsy jazz. The bass player in our thin, long pit was in front of me, mm-hmm. Chris Davis. Mm-hmm. I would start bringing him the chord changes, and he would play bass with me. Oh, okay. Excuse me, bass for me, because yeah. I was floundering. He was so patient with me. We would spend a lot of our breaks, um, like if we had a, uh, well, we did have an intermission, but on two show nights, we'd have a break. We'd, mm. we'd play there. And he'd just be patiently ever just letting me flounder away. And after a while, we had about five, six songs. And we are like, let's start a group. Yeah. So we started a group. <laughs> and that's how, that's a long story of how a hot club started. So. What a great story. Yeah. It took, it literally took years of me floundering and learning stuff, so, sometimes verbatim, even solos, uh, to get where we could actually be a group. Okay, and then all the other members just kind of filed in throughout the years. They all did, although Chris and I are the the only original members. Okay. We did start off as a trio. Mm -hmm. We we were enamored with that La Pompe beat. Mm -hmm. And there's other beats that the gypsies use, but the bump, you know, cha, cha, cha. So my last name is French. It's correctly pronounced Mm Juilliera. So the guys came up with the idea of La Pompe de Juilliera. Oh, and <laughs> I wasn't so into it because people can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, I almost was going to shorthand it to La Pump, but uh, Michael Horowitz, who owns Gypsy Jazz Books, Django Books, excuse me, Django Books and sells guitars up out of Portland, Oregon. He, I was asking him for advice when we started off and he's like, listen, just call it the Hot Club of Las Vegas. You'll have a built-in audience. Yeah. Las Vegas is a entertainment city. It's sexy in every sentence you put it in. It's true. You know, so he said, just call it that. You know, there's a there's a built-in audience that knows, oh, that's a gypsy jazz group. And if mm-hmm. you don't know it's a gypsy jazz group, it just sounds cool. The Hot Club of Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people just call us the Hot Club. But it's, it's interesting to know that Django Reinhardt, first group with Stefan Grappelli who was mm-hmm. a famous violinist um, they were paired together mm-hmm. by the well I c- if you want I could tell you about that the Hot Club of France oh okay there was the Hot Club of France it was it was literally a club where people would get together 
and listen to American Swing. Oh, okay. And they would just eat up every every detail of which player played this, which mm-hmm. version of the same song is this, the mm-hmm. solo for this or that, and uh, they would. It was a like-minded group of people, and uh, and it was like their little culture in France that they loved American swing. Right. They were a club though; they weren't musicians. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it was even a card-carrying member. You had to pay membership and stuff. Okay, it was their idea. Uh, wherever th- the house where they had their club, I think they had a basement underneath. Okay, not too sure about that, but it was their idea to put on the first hot club concert. Because mm-hmm. they started hearing about Django Reinhardt and his jams. Oh. So they paired Django with uh, Stefan Carpelli and they said, Hot Club du France, mm-hmm. Hot Club of France, featuring uh, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Carpelli. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first concert. So okay. that's, it was always called Hot Club of the France. Hot Club. Nowadays, there's a Hot Club of San Francisco. Mm. Uh, all these cities have their own hot clubs. and. Wow. Some people even have fun with uh, the name Hot Club Sandwich, you know, <laughs> Hot Club of Los Angeles, Hot Club of Detroit. So, wow. so once again, we're trying to get into that, you the, know. It's history. Yeah. So the Hot Club has some history to, to its name. Yeah, the name, the Hot Club, yeah. Very cool. Now, I used to go watch you play at the New York, New York. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I just watched your performance at the Sights and Sounds mm-hmm. of the city through the city of Henderson. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, that's a great performance for you guys to go check out. But I was wondering if you guys have any other events or projects going on, or maybe you specifically. Is there anything that you're working on? Yeah, um, well, COVID killed my gig. <laughs> 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 I was a guitarist with Le Rev, and, and what a fantastic show that that closed due to covid mm-hmm. um they treated us the wind treated us fantastic where they actually paid us our full paychecks that we closed uh in march mm-hmm. and then was put on furlough in june and then august 14th we heard that um we're shutting down for good oh. due to uh them not being able to plan around covid and and i think getting no feedback on governor sisolak's input of what he'd like to see for large-scale entertainment to come back so I've had plenty of time on my hands especially just waiting for Lareb to come back so <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to boost personally my my YouTube channel us guitar players we do uh, gear demos okay and if I can get my my subscribership up that would help me a lot but <laughs> I'm doing my own gear demos un, unsponsored and and that's going well and and uh, I've I've done some I've done some demos for other other companies as well. I'm I'm uh, in January at the NAMM show. I signed on with Solar Guitars to play. Very cool. All my heavy metal stuff, and we're talking about gypsy jazz, but I play heavy every, metal. I play every style of gu- oh. of guitar, and that's what us um, Vegas musicians n- need to do. We, exactly. We might be stronger in one genre than the other, but but we play it all. We play it all. You and have to. You it's know, a show business town. I write music, I read music, but I come from a heavy metal background. Very First, cool. I come from a Hawaiian background, <laughs> Hawaiian music, ukulele, but Ooh. heavy metal. So so that was great, and I did some demos for them, and I'm still using a guitar. And I write these songs called 60-second songs, mm-hmm. and I uh, uh, there's always a reason to do that. Like, I'm going to try to see, like, can I put these two chords and these two chords together when they, mm. they shouldn't go together, or... 
or can I explore how far this plugin goes? Oh, okay. Or, or I don't know how to record this style. Can I do that? Mm. Can I write a song like Robin Ford? So I use mm -hmm. 60 seconds more or less to do that. And the interesting about that is um, I'm happy to announce that I will be having a teaching channel on truefire.com. Very so cool. That's really cool. And um, it's not live yet. I'm trying to get 20 or more videos up, lesson videos. Okay. And um, I think I'm at nine and it's it's just fun making content for that. Yeah, what it, kind of what kind of uh, lessons do you do for that? Well, I, I do teach, so I could teach from beginner to advanced. Okay. I got the approval before Larev closed, so I thought, wow, what a wonderful opportunity to, to do a giant give back. Oh, so, yeah. So I can monetize this, and I decided to make all the beginner lessons free. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where my focus is now. I'm doing all these beginner lessons. They're going to be free. Uh, the, the um, how do you say, the intermediate and the advanced, I will monetize that, but it's not going to be that that expensive but mm -hmm. but yeah all the lessons and I'm going as basic as you can on the beginner side of things so okay the neat thing for the intermediate and the advanced that I'm doing is I'm going back to these 60 second songs mm -hmm. and I'm turning them into lessons there you go and not not to say hey here's my song play it like me like here's a song this is what I did but this is how you could take these ideas put it to your songs mm. so, so make, that's really the point of you. a teacher right. is to develop the student's voice yeah not play like you said not play it exactly like me but give them the tools to become their own artist yeah my style of teaching is to to guide you to actually teach yourself so great yeah we transcribe and it, it's it's that's it's, huge it's your training huge. you is have a to do big that part of it sometimes our teacher says i want you to transcribe this solo but okay what if you had your druthers and you could transcribe whatever you wanted yes right then you then you have a passion and it's what your your heart your ears leaning towards mm -hmm. and you start getting that soup of transcribing of all the all the solos you did like you put them together you make your own stew and it starts turning into who you are <laughs> beautiful curry stew well, <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> exactly so, so yeah i'm i've been doing that and then my my band the hot club of las vegas we've been doing quarantunes ooh and it, it we did it just to keep busy during this COVID shutdown. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been taking some of our songs that we never wanted to record for a record, which are basically the old Django Reinhardt songs. There's so many versions of those. And well, I didn't know if it was made commercial sentence to put our version out, but why not have fun doing our quarantine? So we all, we all record our parts at home and film ourselves. And then mm -hmm. I put the video together. Oh. That's and a new skill we we all we all had to learn. Right, right, and it takes forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. And then um, we put it out as a quarantunes. And John Katsilomides, I call him John. I call him Johnny Katz from the RJ. Mm -hmm. He wrote about it, and that that really helped uh, raise awareness to that. But we've we've had fun doing that. We the last one we did with the Fat City Horns, a song called The Corgo. Mm -hmm. And then we we're doing uh, one called The Walk of Shame. Mm -hmm. And I'm still waiting for some of my band members, um, still waiting for some of my band members to give me back their parts so we can proceed. But it's it's been a month, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but their initials are Johnny Miles and Chris Davis. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that to come in. We'll have another <laughs> one out. But when we're, we're that'll be number seven, and I hope to do a few more. And um, 
when everything's slightly back to normal, hopefully a couple months after we have a vaccine, we're going to release a uh, Better Be 2021 CD uh, or album, and we'll call it Corin Tunes. Of all those tunes. Yeah. Make an album, put them all on there. Yeah. Oh, be on the lookout for that, guys. Yeah. That's exciting. So, yeah, I've been doing that. And then um, I have a studio, mm-hmm. a business called Flying Hawaii Music. I was just about to ask you about okay. that. <laughs> so Take it away. <laughs> so I I, uh, I was a Washburn artist for 16 years. A Washburn? Washburn Guitars. Oh, okay. And their mother company was U.S. Music Corps, so I worked with their other companies like um, Parker Guitars and Washburn Acoustics and their consumer division. And as, as things went, I was kind of their stunt guitarist, a clinician. Mm-hmm. They started sending me prototypes of gear. Mm-hmm. And I got into, um, and we would show them at trade shows. Mm-hmm. I got into product develop- development with them. That was exciting. That's really cool. That was exciting. So the product development led me to work with Disney, a little bit with Sony, and other companies uh, where they were in joint partnership with Washburn wow. or U.S. Music Corps. So like, like. A blatant example would be the Hannah Montana guitars. Oh yeah, and all that stuff. <laughs> so, but and and the Disney thing was was incredible. Um, they f- Disney flew out the like there's the Toy Maro Club. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so these were the people who did consumer electronic toys for Disney. Oh. And um, they flew out. I had to f- get some kind of room here in Vegas where a meeting room. They flew out, and we spent a couple days. I was the only Washburn representative here in Vegas mm-hmm. with them and a couple other companies. We would, we had a product that was coming out called Disney Star Guitarist. Mm-hmm. Am I getting off or is this all right? No, you're doing great. Disney Star Guitarist. Were, um, <laughs> it was during the heyday of, of um, oh, what is it called? The, the game where you play. Uh, guitar Hero? Guitar Hero. Okay, good. Excuse me. It was during the heyday of that. We, Washburn, and we had a few patents. We found a way to plug in any guitar Ooh. to a video game console. Wow. And you would play or learn mm-hmm. uh, it, rather than play four buttons. Well, that's actually a useful so, skill. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, I mean, I developed the, the interface that the kids, on-screen digital interface that the kids would use. And wow. I flew out to Dallas, and it was a science usability center. I'm behind a you know, screen or yeah. kids can't see me. And there was, there was doctors in lab coats with kids and they were testing out my products. With, oh, I mean, it was all that. It was, it was so exciting. And, um, and, and, uh, Disney was on board and Sony ATV. So mm-hmm. to come back to my company, I had to fill out invoices where they needed to pay me. Mm-hmm. And so I needed, they didn't want to pay me to my name per se. They wanted a business, a business name, so I had to start a business. And when I sent them invoices, for some reason, they needed a logo on it. Okay. So I had to get a logo designed. Oh, my goodness. And and then they wanted to know the, where the work was. And oh, I didn't okay. want to say my spare bedroom. <laughs> right? So I named it the doghouse. Oh. In Hawaiian, it's Kahale Ilio. Okay. What is that? <laughs> the doghouse. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, the invoices, flying Hawaiian music, invoicing Disney or whoever for this, mm-hmm. work, you know. 10 hours work done in Kahale Ilio. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's basically how my, my studio started. And 
we've done all the hot club CDs there. We've also used other studios, but all my guitar tracks are doing done there. Um, I do all my most of my session work there. I do, mm. you know, I've done I've done scores for animated studio. I didn't write them. I would do Michael Brandon was a composer, and I mm. do some scores for some Broadway stuff. Oh, or wow, for, cool. Uh, one, one where where we took my guitar tracks and they sent them to DreamWorks. Wow, it's for an animated thing and. I've done a sh- I've done a And did they use it on DreamWorks? DreamWorks did the music production. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. For the director. Mm-hmm. So, and it was the director's company. Um let's see. I did I did this really cool thing where I- in China there were st- a show was in creation. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going to have guitar and all of a sudden they realized this one number needs guitar. So they they sent me the track and I I recorded a bunch of acoustic, a bunch of electrics and sent it back to them and mm-hmm. it's on their record and they play it every night in their show. So oh I've my. done some big stuff like that and other shows as well and as well as uh, uh, cruise ship stuff, which was, which was kind of nice and keeping me busy and working with some great Vegas musicians. Robbie Wingfield was the main guy who ha- uh, hired me. He's here in town. But um, that stopped since COVID. I know. Yeah. I was going to work a cruise ship gig this summer, and then that just got immediately canceled. Yeah. And then they said, oh, we'll have you play at a uh, uh, theme parks. And then they shut down all the theme parks. <laughs> but it's just kind of crazy that all of that is kind of yeah. put on hiatus. It's, Even the shows crazy. at La Rev. Yeah. Like all the shows here in Vegas, they're all just waiting to get back. It's a back waiting game. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it kept... To have that room open, uh, closed, and the water in there, and every on the machines functioning, oh. it was still a lot of money to keep that room, oh. that show open in that in that smallest degree. Mm-hmm. One one thing about cruise ships that, uh, when I do, I or any other musicians do a session for that yeah. and the guitar tracks, I'm, it's often not being played. They okay. have it on file in case the guitar player is sick. Oh, in case okay. that guitar player who obviously is good um, to get the job but n- like I did a heavy metal guitar solo on a what is it a Whitney Houston song oh right that was so much fun <laughs> let's say they can't play that style oh. then they would use my tracks oh got it and and so it's 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 interesting how that world works because mm-hmm. it is live music on Exactly. Yeah. And they just put on the click track and then they follow along to right, it. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, I'm in my studio a lot these days and I have my head around doing a solo CD and just haven't got off my butt to do it. Oh, okay. I produce a lot of uh, music or events or, or a song for a singer here and there or a video for uh, I did for Washburn and Disney that we sent to Sony. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of that. I'm really good in that producer's chair to, to finish a project and get it done mm-hmm. in time. I almost feel like when it comes to me, I need I need my own producer because <laughs> I'm just I I guess hem and hawing and taking my time and awesome. need somebody to kick me in the butt. <laughs> so you are very versatile in a lot of different styles, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to talk specifically about because you worked at Mamma Mia and mm-hmm. La Rev and. Musical theater is a very different feeling because I've played in other musicals too, and I work at uh, Zombie Burlesque when it was open. Oh, neat! So I just wanted to talk about like 
we have like another switch in our brain that goes musical theater, which is different than how you play in the hot club or any of your other styles of yeah. music. So if I'm going to speak to musical theater, I started playing professionally at the age of 13 in Hawaiian shows mm. and um, Hawaiian music. And, and it was great. We, we played by ear. We learned by rote. Mm -hmm. Nobody would, you know. So some of the rhythm stuff that I learned for the, the real fast Hawaiian stuff is exactly what you need to play for traditional musical theater. theater. Okay. So if I'm reading the charts, I'm actually very comfortable. It might be, it's not that Hawaiian harmony where you have that sweet major sixth mm -hmm. interval in there, but, um, but it's really served me well. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then the traditional musical theater, four on the floor or that Ted Green, you know, ta -ta, ta -ta, just simple. Yeah. That's really helped as well. And then reading music has helped as well. So that is speaking towards musical theater, theater like the conventional guys and dolls. Okay. Or, okay. The bigger jobs I've gotten in musical theater um, is when they're looking to contemporize mm. their score or they're looking for they're looking for somebody who's a rock and roll player or somebody who, who plays like he's on tour. Oh, okay. So you mentioned our good friend Pepe Jimenez earlier. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know if he knows this, but in my audition for Mamma Mia, mm -hmm. um, Sam Lutfia, who is the contractor, he came from Canada. Mm -hmm. He, I did my audition and then afterwards he goes, are you, are you familiar with David Garibaldi? Okay, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, drummer with the Tower of Power. And mm -hmm. I think we both said the foot, you know, because he's, yeah. he's got the foot. <laughs> he goes, is there anybody in town that has a foot like that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, Pepe Jimenez. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so he's writing the name down. He goes, do you know anybody that just cracks the snare like they're in a stadium? Uh-huh, Pepe. Right? That's, I said, Pepe, you know, <laughs> I just left the, the storm show with Pepe. Yeah. That's my bro. <laughs> yeah. It was like Pepe. So Pepe obviously got the gig. They were looking for that. Mm. And with me at my Mamma Mia audition, um, I, I think it was Sam, but behind, yeah, it had to be him because other people knew me. They said, we hear you're like the rock guy. You're like the rock god is what they said. And I, I was like, Rock God, who would what say a title. that, you know, <laughs> who would say that, you know, and I do play like that Eddie Van Halen style. Yeah. I go, well, yeah, I play and you're like, do you shred and got into that. Mm -hmm. Before I played one Mamma Mia song that they asked me to, they had me shred for them. Okay. So I did my, <laughs> I just stood in front of them and shredded some rock stuff. Okay. And uh, I really think that helped me got, get the gig and I played the Mamma Mia stuff the way they liked and I did get a phone call later the guy's like I wasn't too sure about you and and but uh he had my CD mm -hmm. and I, I heard I did a uh, Europa and a really whacked out version of funky music <laughs> 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 and uh and then once I heard Europa and I heard it over a few times I was like wow you're the guy oh cool so everything helped mm -hmm. and meaning and also that maybe and maybe things have turned around that these um these contractors from new york and from outside of vegas when it came to these shows because they were all booking the broadway tours as well mm -hmm. they were looking for more modern players mm. modern you know i guess i programmed the, the sounds for mamma mia 
which eventually began the uh, were the same sounds that they would use for the all the Mamma Mia national tours okay in New York um, we all used the same amp and they were digital amps so you could put those sounds in that oh, amp okay um, and they were they were very modern with uh, maybe more distortion more effects than the original ABBA mm-hmm. albums had okay interesting so, th- so I hit both sides yeah. yeah I like hearing your side of the story I thought you were going to take it in a different way as a guitarist but as a drummer I think of musical theater as I don't know it's just such a big production there are so many moving parts Mm -hmm. that I feel like I always have to do the same type of fill or the same groove every time and try to keep it really consistent and like react to what's happening around you you're you're right that's the name of the game Mm -hmm. so but I liked how you described uh, the two different genres of musical theater and how you've had to adapt. Yeah. That's cool. And we all do. Yeah. But but to get back to your point, the name of game is, is they're paying you, mm-hmm. me, they're paying us to play music, not make music. They're okay. paying us to play their music. Yes. So we play it the same way every night and we're consistent. Yeah. And that is the name of the game. And that actually makes your job harder. Yes. Because it's like, it's like almost like playing an etude. Yeah. You have to play it the same way every time. The every, same way. Because the dancers, you know, they, they remember your fills and the way you do things. Mm-hmm. And if you do it different, it might throw them off a little bit. You're, per- you're perfectly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's harder on your head. Yeah. Me as an improviser, if I'm really feeling good and the band's feeling good and, yeah. and you're playing, I will hear something and want to go off. That's, I do the and, exact same thing. And that's... That's the jazz training. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. So you're focusing and sometimes I don't even need the sheet music, especially for the rev, but I use it as a uh, guide map, a road map. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're um, railings on the side of a cliff. They're keeping, yeah. me, <laughs> they're keeping me in. In, in the rev, I had to play some power chords. Oh, okay. And it was a lot of the times and it was very simple like I could have made them even more modern more metal yeah. with the chug or yeah. they just want or and yeah. it was because they had performers uh, I don't know if they were counting but they were waiting to hear that to jump off a 60 foot free fall <laughs> drop or something you know? and the da 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 the da da actually gave them oh, excuse me the da da actually gave them a a little like like a cue cue da 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 and they jump off yeah and uh, and then there'd be techs above us and below us and there were speakers in the water oh. and, whoa and the 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 divers the diver techs they could hear me and they were using some of the guitar cues as well and and I didn't know that early on I found out early on that I warmed up before oh, okay. in ear environment yeah and that's I have to kind of get in sync. For a few minutes before I know how what I have for the night, you know, yeah. per se. Um, and they were like talking about my intros. And once I played something as a joke for the rest of the band before the show started, it was like a classic rock. Right. Thing. All the diver techs were like, "Oh, that's so cool!" So my warm up before the show, my pre-show warm up, I would play all this Rush or Van Halen <laughs> or stuff like that. For the divers, I'd yeah. still get my warm up, and, and there you go. And I was just trying to, you know, we're a family. If that's going to make them happier, give them a, a smile on their face before the show. Then, right. 
Oh, get him yeah. pumped up for the yeah. show. Oh, that's so cool. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up because okay. we did a lot of talking. I did a lot of talking. No, I loved <laughs> it. And I think our audience is going to love all those stories because I learned a lot about you that I didn't necessarily know. That was very interesting. So thank you for sharing all of that. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was like, what am I going to say? But you, you made it easy. Thank you so much. Yay. Okay. So where can we find you on social media, the YouTube? Just go ahead and. You can find me at flyinghawaiian.com. Okay. F-L-Y-N. So everybody wants to do flying, uh -huh. but that was actually taken. So F-L-Y-N, Hawaiian, H-A-W-A-I-I-A-N.com. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, it's Mundo J. Um, you can also find on a page on myflyinghawaiian.com, the Hot Club page, Hot Club of Las Vegas. But you can find us on Facebook, the Hot Club of Las Vegas, and on Instagram, Hot Club LV. All right. And then I think I'm Mundo J on Instagram. And Mundo at Mundo dash Flying Hawaiian music on Facebook. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mundo. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much.